Well, this morning, uh, we're going to turn to the Word of God, and we're going to hear the Lord speak to us through the Scriptures, and, and this is our fourth, and as I said, our final week in this season of Advent as we lead up to the big day, the celebration of the coming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, into this world. The, the title and the theme of this final message uh, before Christmas in our series, A Helpful Holiday, is called Rest. Now, does anyone want to admit that seeing that word and hearing that spoken as the focal point of this week is making you a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> no, okay, just a bunch of liars in the room. Cool, no problem. <laughs> now, for some of us in this room, this sounds like the farthest thing from your mind that you could imagine to describe this coming week, right? For some, some people in here, I bet this week ahead is the busiest week that you have scheduled for the entire month of December. And there's no, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. My calendar for this coming week is incredibly full, too. Every day, every night, we have something unique, something special going on. It's going to be a busy week. I totally get that. I can relate to you on that. But the question, then, is, is it really possible to find and have rest in the middle of such activity this time of year? Because this week is going to be busy. This week is going to be filled with things. You are going to do and see and be with different people, and all this stuff's going to happen. And the question that's really at the bottom of this is, can I really find rest doing all that I'm about to do? Well, I believe it is possible for us to find rest even in the midst of busyness like this. And I believe the Lord wants to invite us into this type of real rest in the midst of all the activities and all the special events that are about to fill our time. The Christmas season, for a Christian who's being intentional and thinking beyond just the cultural messages, knows that our focus this time of year is to be on Jesus Christ. It's to be on the glory of Him coming into this world, the glory that's there because not of just the special circumstances, not just because some angel showed up. The reason Christmas is so special is because of who came, because of who Jesus Himself really is. Jesus was not just a baby born in unusual or unique circumstances. He was not coming as many figures had come in the past of God's people as a temporary deliverer, someone to just save them from physical enemies like many of the judges God had sent early in Israel's history. He wasn't coming even to be a mortal king who was going to restore a dynastic rule and establish Israel as a powerful independent nation state once again. Jesus wasn't coming as a mere prophet like the many who had come before him to give a momentary message speaking from God to a generation of people. He wasn't coming to foretell a greater time. He wasn't coming even to remind people this gets better. There's the promises made will one day be fulfilled. No, as we approach the manger scene this coming week, as we ponder the things in our heart the way Mary did in that text we opened the service with, we have a great and glorious ability to do so, knowing with clarity and with confidence who it is truly lying there in that manger as that baby boy. We have the gift of knowing with more clarity than anyone who got to witness it that night could have ever possibly grasped in those moments. As much as you may long to have been there, I, I find that desire in me sometimes as we go through the holiday season to think, what would it have been like? I wish I could have seen those things we read in the text of Scripture. No matter how many songs we're going to sing this coming week about the great night of Jesus' birth, no matter the countless times you may intentionally read or reflect upon or share the birth story from those narratives in the Gospels, we have a far greater gift 
than being at the manger. We have the gift of knowing more fully who Jesus is. And this is a priceless gift that he has given us. Knowing the full story of his birth, of his life, of his death, his resurrection, and his current position right now as the king ruling and reigning over all things from his throne in heaven, and knowing what that means and what that offers to us today, this gift is far, far greater than even the great gift of having been there personally that night to witness those incredible events. So this morning, rather than us just staying in the text that predict his coming or going to the ones that describe his glorious coming, we're going to go to a wonderful passage explaining who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what that means for your life right now today in the six days leading up to Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. The book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we read this. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. What beautiful words. Consider Jesus. This is a beautiful invitational command, and it's exactly what we are going to do here today, is consider, to look, to focus upon Jesus. The author of Hebrews begins in this verse to unpack an incredible picture of who Jesus really is. He calls him the apostle and the high priest. He's not one of the apostles. He's not one of the priests who was sent, but rather in definitive terms, he's saying here, Jesus is the apostle, the sent one. That's what the word means, the sent one from God. And he is the high priest, the one greater than all the other earthly priests. Every other messenger, every other sent one from God, every other priest that has ever lived and stood in service of God are merely foreshadows of Jesus Christ. The author goes on to tell us how Jesus is greater than even Moses, a great figure from Israel's history. Moses was a servant of God who did incredible things, had an amazing relationship with God. As you know, if you were here this year, we studied in the book of Exodus, the first 19 chapters, we saw incredible things happening in and through Moses. But the author of Hebrews goes on in the next few verses beyond where we are to say, but Moses, despite all those great things, he was just a servant in the house of God. Jesus is the son of God. His glory is far more than that of even Moses. So Jesus is the one we need to look to. Jesus is the one we need to consider, the one we need to focus on. Not Moses, not David, not Santa, not Frosty or Rudolph. This time of year is a challenge, a call to us to focus, to consider Jesus. And when we do that, when we look to who he is, when we understand what it is that he came to do, and then what he calls us to do in response, it it demands application of considering Jesus. In fact, if you go down to verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3, we read these words, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." 
those words should sound very familiar to some of you. If you were here two weeks ago, if you've listened to the message from two weeks ago, these are the words of the Holy Spirit. That's how the text starts. Notice that these are the words of God speaking to his people and not just when Psalm 95 was written, but to the recipients of the letter to the Hebrews. Here, generations later, he says, this is God speaking to you. Listen, do not harden your hearts. Because of the warning, those who harden their hearts shall not enter God's rest. Or as the author unpacks it here in verse 12, so take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. I want us to really hear what this text is telling us. And I sincerely pray today and have been praying all throughout this week that every heart that listens to this message would be supernaturally just opened up by the power of the Holy Spirit to really hear what God is saying. Understand clearly, to miss the meaning of this celebration of the Christmas time, to not understand who Jesus really is beyond a baby born on a, on a particular night with special circumstances, to not understand who he is and what he's done, that is the natural draw of these evil, unbelieving hearts that we have. And if we give in to that and we miss Christ at Christmas, it will lead you to fall away from the living God. This is a serious warning. It's a sober warning. And we really need to hear it this time of year because this is the time of year where everyone agrees on one central theme to tell you about how you should live your life. Be happy. (laughs) Right? Be happy this time of year. That's what everybody wants you to know. Be happy or at least put on a cheerful attitude if you're not really happy on the inside. Otherwise, we're going to call you what? Scrooge or Grinch? (laughs) Right? We just have a, we have a societal agreement. We are going to shame you if you don't seem happy on the outside. That's what's going on this time of year. So this is the time of year when so many people are just faking it externally. They're just putting on a show. I'm supposed to look happy. I'm supposed to be a pure cheerful. So I'm just going to do that. Either they know it's a fraud and it's just what they're putting on on the outside, or they've been caught up in what we've talked about for so many weeks now. They've given in to that internal draw of hoping in futile promises that ever fail to deliver. You know, the things marketed to us, right? If you just buy a GM this year, you're going to be great, or a Ford, or, you know, whoever is making the commercial. So you and I, we need to hear this as Christians who look to something well beyond cultural marketing, well beyond just a season at the end of a calendar year. Here, clearly, God would say to us, to everyone, despite what culture says, there is no peace no lasting joy, and no rest in just following your heart. I, I, I know Hallmark's telling you the exact opposite right now. Just follow your heart this Christmas season. All those Christmas romance movies, which were on in my house Thursday night. Malia had one playing, and they're preaching this same message. Your happiness, your joy, all that you've ever needed, it'll be found if you just follow your heart. If you're a guy, put on a plaid shirt. If you're a girl, put on a nice Christmas sweater. Definitely get out of the city. Go somewhere out in the country. That's where you'll find true happiness, right? And this is, this is the theme, right? And there's all kinds of quotes that are floating around right now. This is the, the thing about Facebook, right? You see something that's, oh, 
oh, that sounds profound. It doesn't really have to be profound. It just strikes you as profound, and you share it, and it's floating around, and everybody's seen all these quotes. I've seen quotes in the last couple of weeks, everybody from Rihanna to Conway Twitty to Steve Jobs all telling you, you know what the key to happiness is? Follow your heart. But that advice, to follow your heart, leads to spiritual death, my friends. God is telling us, not the hallmark message, he's telling us, do not follow your own heart. Your own heart naturally is wicked, it is evil, it is naturally unbelieving, it will lead you, he warns, away from the living God. There is no peace, there is no rest to be found if you just follow your heart. So rather than following your own heart and being led to go and make a bunch of special meals or treats, hoping they somehow fill you up spiritually, <laughs> or going out and buying a bunch of gifts, hoping that this year's finally the year that all your real needs are met forever with what you receive or give, or heeding any of the other over-promised Christmas advertisements, hear what God says you need to know how you need to be able to find peace, how you can find peace in this Christmas season. He says here in the unfailing, infallible scriptures, look at verses 13 and 14, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if, indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is what it's all about right here. This is what understanding who Jesus is brings to us, demands of us, and how it can give us peace even in the midst of a really busy week, a really busy season. We need to hear the word of God carefully here and really ponder this because even in this very room, at this wonderful time of year, there is a real and present threat of hearts being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and not holding firm to the end, but rather turning away from God and headed towards death and eternal destruction. Every day, this is a threat. Hence, God says, every day, as long as it is called today, be on guard, warn one another, love one another enough to engage and care for their soul. We should take this seriously. We must Live intentionally, especially right now, because the deceitfulness of sin in this season is hidden in shiny packages, glittering decorations, and delightful delicacies. So we cannot afford in these moments to forget we're on war footing here. Danger exists. We're in a spiritual battle ourselves and those around us as well. The draw and danger of sin taking hold of people and leading them away from God is a real threat. It's not a threat that goes away for the Christmas season. The kingdom of darkness wants to pull people deeper into darkness. It wants people to believe that if you go into the shadows and hide your things there, put your sins there where they can be ignored and unknown, then you will have peace and happiness and calm. The promise of the kingdom of darkness is you'll feel better enveloped by darkness rather than stepping out and living in the exposing light of God. The kingdom of darkness wants us to do what our culture wants us to do, to hide things, to pretend they aren't there, 
This season, the culture wants nothing more, the enemy wants nothing more than you to get together, smile, focus on the beautiful distractions that the season offers, but don't think of your soul. Don't admit or repent of sin. Just focus on the food, focus on the decorations, the gifts, and the shallow conversations. That path and the promises that go down that path are lies from the enemy of our soul seeking to captivate our hearts and lead us not kicking and screaming, but subtly and willingly to spiritual death in the midst of bright celebrations all around us. The danger is real. It's real for all of us here in this room, no matter how long you've been going to church or how long you've made a claim to Christianity. Verse 14 makes that plain. God says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Not if your membership application was 30 years ago. Not if you were literally born in the church. Not if you can never remember a a year you weren't in church the majority of the weeks of the year. No. If we hold fast, hold firm to the end. Don't deceive yourself. 1 John 2.19 warns us plainly. In the apostles' day, even, there were some people who professed the name. They looked like Christians for a while, but they were never really saved at all. They went out. They left the people of God because they were never truly of the family of God. That happens in our own day today, too. Not just in the apostles' day, not just in the Old Testament days. The writer of the Hebrews stresses this is the reality, as it was those people who were called the people of God At the time of the Exodus, who were the ones who were led astray, hardened, and eventually died in their sins, never finding the rest that God has for them. Look at the next few verses, 16 to 19. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. So this is what God's warning all of us right now, you who've come to church this morning even. He's calling us to heed this call today. Do not harden your heart. Because there is no real rest or peace outside of presently, right now, this moment, having an active faith and obedience to Christ. My heart breaks, this time of year especially. It's always a mixed emotion. I love the Christmas season. I love the activities. There's a lot of joy. But every year I find my heart more and more broken by the reality of how many people are captive to sin and are being hardened in sin in their lives through everything that takes place this time of year. So many people do not have a presently active faith. They are not living in repentance and obedience of God, and they're headed for spiritual death blindly and quietly, and for far too many of them, especially here in America, in good, moral, comfortable places like the ones we live in, There's so many people who are playing at Christianity. They are confusing religion and traditions and preferences for real holiness and real spiritual life in God. And so this time of year, what we find and what breaks my heart to see take place is so many people who feel they really don't have a need for God in their day-to-day life, their week-to-week life, who will just show up 
for a service or two or three this time of year. They don't come and gather regularly in the worship of God and obedience to God for the good of their souls. They think, as long as I show up at Christmas, then God and I are good until next Christmas. Maybe Easter. I might even show up on Easter. You know, I'm really feeling it. And at this time of year, people will come in, they will sit, they will follow a tradition, they will hear songs that are familiar and things that that remind them of their childhood, and then they'll walk out thinking God and I are good when you're not. Their heart is so hardened that they don't have a real relationship with God. It doesn't even bother them, doesn't occur to them. There are so many people who claim to be Christians who use this season to just make a few nods towards God and assume, now all is well. But really, they have hardening hearts. They're captive to sin, and they are being led to spiritual death. Listen, this Advent season, this Christmas holiday, I've said repeatedly, it's a season of great opportunities for a Christian. But it's also a very dangerous season of deceit for many. And you and I, if we're active in our faith, if we really love the Lord and we love those around us, we should see that and be engaged in praying about that. That we would not be content to just say, wow, we had great numbers attend our service this year. Because all those one time or twice a year people showed back up. We should be people whose hearts are broken over that. We should be people who step into that. Hey, I saw you there at Christmas. I loved to see you there. Let's talk. Let's engage. Let's not wait until next Christmas. So again, hear this. Hear this clearly. The message of Christmas, the meaning of who Jesus is and why we celebrate his birth every year is that there is no real rest or peace outside of presently having active faith and obedience to Christ. This is the season for people to embrace this gift, this life change. It doesn't just come naturally when you show up to a service like this or we go through a time like this on the calendar. Because be honest, you know this to be true, right? The Christmas holiday shows you every single year how futile it is to pursue rest in these good times and good things apart from making Christ the center, right? The calendar is being so full. Even with good things and great people, if Christ is not in the middle of it, be honest, it can just be really exhausting, can't it? Some of us, if we were going to be truthful, and we kind of, you know, weren't maybe all honest at the very beginning, so here's your chance to redeem yourself. Some of us, if we're truthful, are really, we're just waiting for the days after Christmas to get past the meals, to get past all the hours we have or have to still spend wrapping up all the gifts so they can be unwrapped and destroyed in a few minutes. Past even the obligatory trips to see both sides of the family. Don't raise your hand if they're in the room. We just want to get past all that. And then we think maybe then we'll get a breather. Maybe then we can finally get some rest. It's not really December leading up to Christmas. It's just those few days between Christmas and New Year and the calendar changing over. That's rest time. For some of us, that's where we are. Anyone admit that might be true? And you've probably figured out, if you're the kind of person who thinks you're going to find rest in just getting everything done, that no matter how early you back up the Christmas season, it actually doesn't become more restful just because you started earlier, right? Like our cultures moved Christmas back. Do you know the 12 days of Christmas? Most people think those are the 12 days leading up to Christmas. That's how people used to celebrate. No, it's actually from Christmas Day, the 12 days following Christmas. 
But we've backed that up. It went to the 12 days leading up to Christmas, and then it went to the whole month of December. And now, for most people, you know, Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving, or when the Thanksgiving meal ends, <laughs> and then it's Christmas time. For some of you, it's right after Halloween has ended, we're into Christmas. Some of you are like June 25th, Christmas time, woo you know? But no matter how early you start your Christmas season celebrations, you don't really find the rest that you need just because you got things done sooner, do you? The reason we won't find rest inherently in this season, in the gifts, in the food, in all the time we spend with other people, is because our hearts will always remain restless until we enter into true spiritual rest with Christ. All striving, all the work, no matter how well planned it is, leads to unrest. No matter how much good we try to do, no matter what things we may attempt to do in our own lives to try and balance out this time of year, we're going to try to to weigh the end of the year with really good things, hopefully making up for all the things we know went wrong before now. No matter what we do, that work will never really provide the rest you need because you can't make peace with God through your works. The only way to have peace with God, the only way to have rest from that is to receive it as a gift. A gift that comes from understanding who Jesus is and then humbly submitting to him and worshiping him. Friends, hanging on to our sins, living in them, hiding them, never admitting them, never repenting of them, it leads to continual unrest in your soul. When our hands and our hearts are full of sin and trying to hide stuff away, there's no room to receive the gift of God, what he offers us through Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from embracing him. Far too many of us are kind of like the innkeeper, right? Who has to turn away Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Why? Because everything's full. I don't, I don't have any room. Don't let that be you in your heart. So coming back to our initial question, the initial wandering, is it really possible to have rest in this time of year with all this activity? The answers here in the text for us, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, you can read the wonderful answer that God gives us. There does remain a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Forever has entered God's rest, has also rested from his work as God did from his. I like that. And let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest. The true rest we need can only come from having and living in the gift of God's salvation. The only way to have spiritual rest is to give everything to Christ, admitting our sins, repenting of them, stop trying to hide them and cram them back into the darkness. Just giving them to him in the light to stop striving and struggling to earn his love or salvation as if it's a bargain, a trade we can make, to stop pretending that we are things that we are not, as we're told to do this time of year. The only way to have real rest is to step into and live in the light of Christ. This is where the peace of God is found. This is where his gift of rest comes to us when we cease from our self-justifying labors, when we cease from trying to hide in the darkness, when we cease trying to make it on our own apart from him, it comes when we know who Jesus really is and we live in true worship and obedience of him. The text continues by saying, for since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
So who is this Jesus that we see and we celebrate in the manger scene this Christmas? Well, Jesus was not just a baby born who passed through the birth canal of his mother. The text says he's the son of God who passed through the heavens to come down and live as God incarnate upon this earth. Jesus was not just a priest who came to mediate momentarily between God and a generation. He's the great high priest whose sacrifice offered covers all his people, all their sins for all time, fully and completely. Jesus is not just a deliverer who came strong and capable and noble, but unable to relate to us common peasants with our struggles. No, he is the one who not only knows our weaknesses, but was, the text says, tempted as we are in every way. And yet, even though he felt the same draw of sin that often takes you captive, though he felt the temptation to go into the darkness and hide things there, though he felt all that, he resisted. He conquered the temptation that conquers us so often. He remained sinless. He is the true Holy One. Jesus came as the deliverer from sin, the eternal king of kings, the greatest prophet, the one who was not just speaking for God, but was God himself revealing who he was incarnationally. So this week, no matter how busy your calendar is, and I'm not saying you have to go delete everything off the calendar, okay? Here's how you find rest in the midst of busyness. Consider who Jesus is. And cease spiritual striving this week. Don't look, don't think that you're going to find peace or joy or rest in anything that you can do or accomplish this week. You won't find it there. Slow down in these coming six days. Set aside intentional time. Spend your best moments of the week with the one who can give you true peace and rest. Focus on receiving that from God in these coming days. Lay down your sins, repent of them, hear and obey his word. Set your focus upon him instead of just your heart's desires and wants. If you want peace and you want rest this coming week, and I think we all would admit we want that to some degree, then respond. Repent of your sins today and every day leading up to Christmas. Don't hide them. Don't pretend that you're something you are not. Open up your heart to God. Confess your failures. Confess your struggles. Confess your fears to the one who offers you mercy and grace if you are his. Turn to him. Trust him. Make him the center of this week. And if you get nothing else done, if in doing that other things fall by the wayside, no matter who else may be disappointed in you, you will have found real rest and peace in Jesus Christ. And that's far better than anything else you could accomplish in these coming six days. The only way to have real rest and peace is to understand who Jesus is and to obediently submit to him as Lord and God. So don't live this week not dealing with your soul. No matter what else you do, spend time with the Lord. Consider Christ, who he is. The baby born in the manger the man who died upon the cross, the God who rules and reigns over all things right now, that's who Jesus is. And in him we can find real rest, even this time of year with all the midst of the things you're going to be doing. Wendy and team, if you'll come this morning and lead us. This can be a song to sing for you, or it can be a moment of worship, and the difference is in your heart.
Will you today hear his voice and respond? Repent of your sins. Turn from seeking peace and rest in other things. And in these moments right here, will you admit who you really are and what you need and turn to Jesus to find it? We're going to sing the song, What Child Is This? And the answer, spoiler alert, is it's Christ, the King, God himself, born to bring great joy and peace to all who would look to him and trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. In six great days, we get to celebrate that the baby in the manger was none other than the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior and Deliverer, come. So we praise you this morning and we worship you. And I I ask, Lord, that every heart now in these moments would begin to, to work away from darkness and towards the light of who you are. That we would repent, we would lay down our sins, we would open up our hands to receive the great gifts of love, joy, and hope, and peace, even rest that you offer to us. Lord, I pray that tonight as we gather, your spirit would move among us to stir us and to deepen our affections and to to set our minds more clearly again upon you. And then every day of these next six days, I pray, would just be a journey closer to you, the living God, the light of the world, our only hope and peace. It's in your beautiful, powerful, loving name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.